This sports social podcast is brought to you by BetVictor, where live streams, smart stats, and in-play betting can help you make your best bet yet. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, everyone. What's up? Chelsea fans, I hope you're all feeling good. This is Xavier Mbuyamba, and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that will never end. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, the creator, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence. A very sour and pissed off Keith Lawrence, to be exact. But here again this week is my co-host, he's former Chelsea defender, Steve Wicks. Steve, welcome to the Blue Day podcast. Are we still pissed off from yesterday or are we partly calmed down and mostly reflected on what might have been and what should have been? Well, I think it goes back now, Keith, quite a long time, really. It goes back to the, um, you know, the Burnley game, really. We, we, we allowed them to get off the hook. And it seems to me we've worked, we work hard to get in a winning position. But over the last, uh, few games, especially, you know, the Man United game, that should have been won by half-time. We were way better than them. Um, we're not quite killing games off at the moment. Um, uh, and we've got to get back to what, that ruthless side of our game. Uh, and yes, we, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a bad game yesterday for us. I think we, um, we sat back a little bit. Uh, and when Lukaku came on, I think it changed the game a little bit. We we went long, they pushed forward and closed the space and got into the game that way. And um, yeah, a little bit disappointing. But, you know, that's our second defeat this season. You're right. We should sort of put it into perspective. It is our only second defeat. The other one was against Manchester City at home. But I want to sort of talk about, because the last time we spoke was after the Leicester City game and we was previewing the Juventus in the Champions League and we'll sort of briefly touch on each game as well because there's about four games that we uh, have sort of missed since our last conversation, Steve. The Juventus game was a, was a huge match for us because we needed to sort of win that to at least not only just qualify but potentially qualify as, as group winners and we just steamrolled Juventus and I, I remember saying to you, sort of after the Juventus game in Turin, that that's one of the worst Juventus teams I've seen in many a year. 
and the way Chelsea played, we were outstanding. And three academy products scoring the goals, along with Timo Werner to make it four nil. It was one. It was one of the top European nights at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic game, and uh, especially after the, the success in the Euros that Italy had, you expect a real sort of hard game. You expect a, you know, a typical Italian game. It wasn't. We absolutely outplayed them and absolutely battered them. And it was quite nice to see, actually, after uh, the Euro final. It was nice to be an Italian club like that. And uh, I was well chuffed, to be honest with you, the way we played. It was it was just one of them sort of games where everything just clicked. And the way that we played, the way we performed, was just absolutely fantastic. And you look at certain players' performances at that point, they were right on top of their game. But that was the game where Chilwell suffered his injury. And we'll obviously talk about the downturn in form. But I felt that injury affected us badly. So since then, how we've performed with the wing-backs going forward hasn't been the same. I know Marcus Alonso is a, a ready-made replacement and he's done very well. And there's a reason why he's been at the club for so long. Very accomplished defender going forward, but I just feel that we've changed slightly in our approach with the wing backs bombing forward. James, again, we'll talk about injuries as well. James hasn't been sort of the same since he picked up a knock quite recently, but the Juventus game was key, and now we've got a, I would say, a big game on Wednesday against St. Petersburg, as then it's St. Petersburg, excuse me. Yes, we've qualified. I would want to qualify as group winners because at least then that gives us the confidence that considering the fact that we lost to Juventus in Turin and that first spot did seem a little bit of a distance away, it puts a marker down for us in the Champions League to win our group, to progress. And as you've said many a time, Steve, to have an easier running in the last 16. But again, it depends on who, obviously who we draw, but that will certainly give, it will certainly boost the confidence considering how it's been since that Juventus game. No, I think it's vital that we win. We win the group. I think it puts unbelievable pressure <clears throat> and to get, if you like one of the top teams, and yeah, you could draw, draw Bayern Munich. You could draw anybody from the top echelons of the, of the game. You could draw, you know, and I think it's really important that, that we win the group. Um, I've seen many a time with Liverpool, with Man United, they finish second, everyone says, oh, we'll be all right as long as we qualify. But they're going into a hard game. The next game is a very hard game that could go either way. And I think we need to win our group. Um, and, and it's a test for everybody. This, this whole little month after the Juventus game, you know, whether the players thought, oh, God, we've hammered the Juventus, we've got, we've got Burnley Saturday, whether they couldn't quite, and they went 2-0 up, that's when we should have put our foot on their throat and gone 3 or 4. Because that's what Man City do, you know, with all due respect. But, you know, you Liverpool were a minute away from having a bad result yesterday mm. against Wolves. A minute away. Mm. Carini popped up with the winning goal. Mm. You know, you have these little times when things go for you and they go against you. And now a couple of things have gone against us and it's important that we stay together on and off the terracing, on the pitch, hmm. and regroup and go again. 
Well, the key thing is, and this is the message that I want the podcast to preach and to put out to those that perhaps are still slightly pissed off, like I am a little bit over yesterday, is, and I've seen it on Facebook and I've seen it on Instagram as well, but Chelsea fans arguing with each other about a defeat. And I look back on sort of games before we had Roman's money, whereby we would lose and Chelsea fans would just get on with it. It's just one game. And you look at the type of arguments that people are having about how certain players have performed and how we should be doing this, we should be doing that. I just think that there needs to be a bit of a realism in into it. And I hope that we today, yes, we're going to talk about certain results and we're going to be quite blunt with our assessments. But at the end of the day, it's our opinion. But that's not to say whereby we're going to completely go 360 and say something completely bonkers that, for example, talk about certain players' performances that perhaps they're not as great players as people seem to think they are. It's like when talk about, fast forward to yesterday's game, talk about players like Mendy's, people are now questioning Mendy's sort of form, questioning his attributes. And you're thinking it's one game. I mean, you said it before we started recording, Steve. It's one game. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think, and this is where I think he's a bit, been a little bit harshly uh, treated, is the fact that, that the winning goal, number one, their fullback didn't mean that. Number two, he's about to go maybe and attack the ball and, and you know collect the ball from his cross. It's got a wicked deflection. And he's ended up going the other way. He's had to change his feet. He's had to, and he nearly got there. He was very unlucky not to get there. Um, but that's just a freak goal. I don't think you can look at it and slaughter him. Things like that happen. Um, and he's been outstanding. And I think what we've got to do is not act like sport little brats because we're Chelsea football fans. Hmm. We've got to back our players and we've got to like, you know, yeah, we've got beaten. We're not good enough yet. We're not good enough yet. And it's proven over the last two or three weeks to expect to be anyone. Only hard work and doing the things we do well will achieve what we can achieve. And yes, we've had a big hiccup, but it's not the end of the world. And what we've got to do, as I said, the last thing you, as a player that you like is groaning people, moaning and groaning because... Chelsea have had, yeah, a bad two or three games. If we'd have beaten Burnley and if we'd beaten Man United, which we deserve to and we should have done, we'd still be top of the league. Hmm. You know, well, we look, we I was just going to sort of talk about the Man United game from last week and it was, it was a game where I was hoping Oli would still be in the job because I thought we would steamroll them absolutely spank their arse and batter them but they had Carrick in charge and United and I, I said this to you on when I was driving home Steve that, that Sunday that that's one of the worst United teams I've ever seen how they performed and how they looked wasn't a United side from for example the late 90s and the early noughties and how we have been playing against the likes of Leicester and Juventus and how certain players' performances have been on top of their game. 
we should have battered United. We should mm-hmm. have absolutely... Because bearing in mind we was at home, bearing in mind you had just under 40,000 expectant Chelsea fans expecting a win. But you said it to me before the game that you was a bit wary of it. And I know there was other people that said to me that they were quite wary of Chelsea's performance because they felt that it's going to be harder than it looked on paper. And performance-wise, it wasn't great. Jorginho made the mistake which allowed Sancho to score. That was their only shot on target. That was their only effort. And then Mendy cocked up, which would have meant we would have lost. But thankfully, Fred was the one that was shooting and not someone like Sancho or Cavani, for example. But we come back with it with a with a penalty. But even then, again, hindsight is a wonderful thing. But looking back on it now, that was a result we should have won. But we didn't. Two points dropped. But the performance was stale. The performance wasn't at its highest that it should be. Bearing in mind, we were top. We've got City and Liverpool breathing down our next. They don't look like they're going to drop points anytime soon. And I just felt that that was a missed opportunity for us. And United, you know, I can't see them winning anything this season and the way they are. And the fact that they've got a lot, they've got a, a lot of egos in that squad massive egos in that squad that I think that's hindering them more than helping. And again, performances from certain some players like Jorginho. And I'm just looking at the squad here that started last Sunday's game and Mount was on the bench and everyone around me and the Matthew Harden lower was asking, why is Mount on the bench? What, you know, Mount gives you something else. Lukaku was on the bench and, it was coming up to 65 to 70 minutes. Lukaku weren't coming on. Well, we need a goal. You know, we're against Man United who are battered and bruised. We need to put these to the sword. Lukaku didn't come on within 10 minutes to go. And he puts on Pulisic with 10 minutes to go for hudson Doy, And Pulisic tries, but, you know, again, consistency is not there with him. Mount came on with 10 minutes to go and... I I just thought Tuchel fucked up. Well, you know he's um, he does tinker with the team quite a bit, and he does make a lot of changes. And I do think that the one thing that I I think the thing that I've looked at, and I think that that what we've um, we do miss Chilwell. I think Chilwell has been playing brilliantly. As I said to you, I thought we had the two best fullbacks in uh, in football at the moment. Um, and you get a little bit of continuity and then all of a sudden Kante's injured again. And what's concerning me is the amount of appearances Kante's making. He seems to play three games, then he's out four. Then he comes back and then he's out two. You know, his, his games per season is going down rapidly. And I think you need that continuity in midfield, especially where people know that they're building partnerships in there. They know what each other's doing. Um, and we haven't filled the same side now for I don't know how many weeks. Hmm. And I think that the one thing that, you know, Loftus-Cheek, to me, and he might change, but I think he's an impact player. I think him coming off the bench with 10, 
20 minutes to go, you might get more out of him than him starting a game, if you know what I mean. He might do something a little bit special. Um, but I uh, I don't know what's wrong with Chelsea. I'm, I'm not a fan of Werner. You know that. Yes, I'm aware. I, I'm not a fan because, <laughs> you know, sometimes I wonder when he's playing if he could hit a barn door from five yards. And that's how it's got. That's how I feel. Um, but there's still a lot of ability. Do I think Chelsea will... Is this a, a real turning point this last few months? Is it going to change? No, it won't. Just Tuchel won't allow it to happen. He'll get them back and he'll get them doing the right things. And But we have some tests. And what we've got, what, you know, what we mustn't do is we've spent millions of pounds. We've got a massive squad. And we can't start feeling sorry for ourselves because of injuries, because... If you're a Leeds, if you're a Crystal Palace, if you're a, uh, you know, a Brentford, you haven't got that luxury and you've got to back your players. And we've just got to get on with it. We've got to start. If I was, I'd say to if the players, look, we draw a line under that. We've now got a massive game on Wednesday, is it, or Tuesday? Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday. And our main objective and priority is to win that game hmm. and qualify as winners. And we've got to draw a line under this and get going again. And we'll be all right. Once we get going again, we'll be okay. You know, it's like Liverpool. Everyone, yeah, they they were a minute away from having a bad result yesterday in a game they should have won. They should have won five times over. But they're having a little bit of a golden spell at the moment where someone pops up a minute from the end and scores the goal. And they get away with it. Unfortunately, we didn't the other day. You know, but... This happens, and in what's it, a month's time or six weeks' time, they lose two of their best players. Goes to the African Nations Cup. How are they going to deal with that? You know, that, that's massive. To have Salah and Marnie leave for a month, it's massive. But they've got to deal with it, and we've got to deal with our little thing. And uh, yeah, Man City will have a, a wobble. They'll have a wobble at some stage. Hey, well, I'll tell you what, we could be sat here and it could be worse after the Watford game. It could be, a, we could be sitting here now with, with literally, uh, uh, let's be fair about it, with two points out of nine. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about the Watford game because we, again, we discussed it over the phone. We were talking about, you know, how we felt the game would play. And even you said to me, and there, there was a few ex-players that sort of mentioned it to me beforehand to say, I'm not sure about today because they knew that Watford would be at, would be after us. And they did beat Manchester United at, at, at their play. So form-wise, they're starting to sort of get a little bit better than what they were at the start of the season. And again, Looking at the the lineup that Chelsea sort of put out, I wasn't happy with it. There was a few other fans that weren't happy with it, and I just felt that why is he making six changes? Yes, some of them were enforced because of injury, and I get that, but there was others that came into the side, and you're thinking, why? You're away to Watford, who are going to be battling for as many points as possible because they're in a relegation battle. Why are you giving play? Yes, it's all about rotation and 
not just keeping players happy, but keeping the squad fresh. I get that. But then when you're putting players on that haven't performed for you so far this season and you know for sure that it's not going to work out well and he leaves them on for as long as possible, I just felt, again, Tuchel... We we got out of jail midweek against Watford. It was a very horrible performance. But then, again, you, you've said it, Steve, and we both we both agree to it. To win a league, you're going to win horrible. There's going to be games where you're going to win ugly, and that was the case midweek. And mm. he started he started with Mount Pulisic and Havertz as a front three, which I thought again. Thought he should have played an out-and-out centre-forward. I know Havertz is slightly getting back to form a little bit because he has been injured quite a bit. But he played Loftus-Cheek and Saul in centre-mid. Well, after 10 minutes, that wasn't working. And I don't want to be on here to sort of criticise Saul like I have done with Kepper in the past because I am trying to stay positive. Saul, two to three years ago, was Atletico Madrid's best player. He was valued at around 90 million euros. Where has that player gone? I have no idea where he's gone because I saw him play against Juventus and I've seen him play in, uh, uh, on other occasions. The guy can't run, he can't pass, and he certainly can't shoot. And he st- struggles to track back. And you are thinking to yourself, we allowed Billy Gilmore to go out on loan to a struggling side in Norwich where Gilmore probably would have been better off playing with us. Certainly he would be over Saul any day of the week, twice on Sunday. But he starts him against Watford. And I just didn't understand that thought process. And he puts Lukaku on because we need a goal against Watford. Yes, granted, but Lukaku didn't do much. We missed other players. We did miss Reese James and we did miss Chilwell in that game. Achalaba picked up a nasty injury and Chelsea have been a bit coy and not sort of come out and said how long he's going to be out for. Ziyech comes on. Ziyech scores the winner and I know there was a few people on social media that was not happy with me because of my opinion on Hakim Ziyech. I did put out to say that he's one of the worst signings that we've made. The last time I said that was about Mo Salah. So read to that what you will. Um, <laughs> but he, he he did score the winner. But I just felt Ziyech's performances against Juventus, United and even Watford, they're not good enough. And I just feel that he's a poor man's Maluda. I've said that to you before. And I even made the comparison to you this week that he reminds me of an Ozil player. Mm. On the ball, he might be great. Off the ball, he's one lazy so-and-so. Mm. Well, first of all, Sal, it can't be that bad. He can't be. So he's not. He's probably struggling a little bit with maybe settling down, maybe the language, maybe. You know, he was one of Athens Madrid's best players. You know, it's sad when this this happens, and uh, you know, and someone just loses all their confidence. It, it's sad, but you know, I, I just think that they're all every 
player in the main that Chelsea sign are good good players. But we've got to understand that it's not you're coming into a team you, you haven't got on a, a regular place. You're behind Kante. You're you go down the pecking order because a couple of people come back and go. I think there's a fallacy around Billy Gilmore. I really do. I think he's become bigger in everyone's eyes through not playing rather than playing. Interesting. I, I think is yes, he's a busy, workmanlike little player and he gets around the pitch. There's a reason why he wasn't picked for Norwich. The guy never picked him for Norwich for I don't know how many games. You know, the person I'd be looking at is Gallagher. He's the one that I would look at and say, He's, that boy is an is action man. He does a bit of everything. And I think what we've got to do is look at players that I call box-to-box players that get forward when they need to get forward and get back when they need to get back and threaten goals. And Gallagher does that. He does that. He threatens goal. He scores goals. He threatens goals. But actually, you'll see him making a great tackle on the edge of the box. You know, a saving tackle. You'll see him win things and start things off. You know, I think Gilmore or him, bearing in mind, he's been, you know, outstanding for Crystal Palace. But now there's a bit of a test for him as well. All of a sudden, the results aren't going Palace's way. You know, Vieira four weeks away was the greatest thing that's ever happened to Crystal Palace. Now they've lost four on the trot and all of a sudden he's being called into question. And I think that what we've got to do, we, as I said to you last year, we nicked the Champions League because I, I said to you, because no one will ever win the Champions League when the leading goal scorer has got eight goals. And six of those were from penalties. But we somehow won the Champions League. And it was unbelievable. But there's still a lot of work to do. And we've got now, we've got Aspilicueta, we've got um, other players that are the wrong side of 30 by a long way. By a long way. We've got the greatest defensive midfield player that probably plays a third of the games that he could play in. All of a sudden, Kante isn't there week in, week out. You know, he, he's, he's struggling with injuries at the moment. The way he plays, his body's probably gone through a real battering. But we have youth in abundance. We have a massive checkbook. And what we've got to do is just be patient as a club and as certainly as supporters. You know, we can't keep saying, well, he's crap and he's crap and he's this and he's the worst player. They're all good players. It's just the fact that they're 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 going. They're at different stages at the club. And when they signed the boy from Atletico Madrid, I was delighted because I thought he was a great player. And again, I actually forgot he was with us, where he hasn't played for such a long time. Now, the, imagine how he feels. <laughs> he was the, probably the first team per, first player on the team sheet at Atletico Madrid. So it's how he's dealing with it mentally. He's probably never had this before. And it can, 
And all we've got to do is be patient. We're not the finished product yet. We're not. Man City are probably a year in advance of us, two years in advance. And they've got the best player in the country at the moment. Silver. He is playing the best. Oh, Bernardo Silva, yeah. Oh, Bernardo. He's a very good player. He's the best player in the country at the moment. And they are playing and they, but he's had a long time to build that club. He's had, what, four years, five years? Yes, uh, Guardiola, you know, Guardiola came in 2016 and, and Klopp came in obviously the year before that. He's never done what Tuchel's done in, in, in five years. And he's, I think, every player that goes to Man City becomes a better player working with, with Pep Guardiola. You know, you can see Grealish yesterday. You can see him just beginning to become a pep player with what he's achieving and how he's playing. Um, and it, and they're doing it without centre-forward. I think we need to sort of put it into perspective. And you talk about Liverpool, Man City. The reason why, and I said this under Frank, and I've said this beforehand, the reason why Liverpool and City are where they are is because of continuity between management and club. The fact that Klopp, has had time to build his team in his own image. Guardiola has had time to build his team in his own image. Now, I'm not saying Chelsea are going to do that because if they were to do that, then we would have still had Frank. But Tuchel has got this team rolling. Yes, performances and results haven't been there, but the team is still a good side. We're not a bad. We're not going to be a bad team overnight. If we lose the next six games in a row, then obviously that's different. But we've still, as you said, we've still got fantastic players in the squad. We've got arguably a potential world class right wing back in Reese James, potentially a world class left wing back in Ben Chilwell, potentially a world class goalkeeper in Mendy, despite his howlers yesterday. The team is there. I don't believe we are at that same level as Liverpool and City, albeit we are only two points now behind the league leaders. But that was the idea for this season. The idea for this season perhaps wasn't to try, wasn't to steamroll and win the league. It was to be competitive towards Liverpool and Man City because the last couple of seasons, we've scraped fourth place on the last day of the season. We're not going to do that this season. So already, there is progress. I'd love us to win another trophy, absolutely. But league-wise, there is progress. I think next season is going to be the one. Because as you say, Liverpool's front three, they're getting on a bit. Man City, there's certain players that are getting on a little bit. Our core players are young and in football terms, they're still young pups. And when you've got the likes of Gallagher, who I think we... I mean, we were mad to sell Tamore, in my opinion, but Chaloba's proving a point. We would be nuts to sell Conor Gallagher, and we would be nuts to sell Billy Gilmore. If it was up to me, I would have both of them in Chelsea's midfield next season and allow either Kante to maybe be the third man or at least be part of the squad, Jorginho... 
say farewell and Kovacic even say farewell. But that's 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 a conversation for another time, Steve. But it shouldn't be doom and gloom. Yes, we lost to West Ham. I hate losing to West Ham. I can't stand losing to West Ham. I think every other supporter of their club would hate to lose to West Ham. But we need to put it into context. We haven't lost the league. You know, that defeat hasn't lost us any trophies. We're still European champions. We could still win the league. We're only two points behind the league leaders. But my God, if you look at January's fixtures before we do dissect the West Ham uh, game, January's fixtures, we've got Liverpool on the 2nd of Jan. You've then got FA Cup weekend the weekend after. Man City on the 15th. And then Spurs the week after. Three games that, in my opinion, I know it's only will be January. For me, that will defy where we finish in in the table. I'll tell you what I think, Keith. And I, I, I was looking at yesterday and I, there was a thought that came to my mind. And I was watching Man City, who have been unbelievable the last couple of games. They have been unbelievable. And I'm looking at that team and I'm saying to myself, all right, we're sat there in second place. But how many of Chelsea players would get into the Man City team? Or indeed would get into the Liverpool team? I sat and I thought about that last night. When I was watching Man City, I thought to myself, how many players would, would honestly, would get into the, the, that team? And when you ask yourself that question and you look at it, you think to yourself, it's not many. Could we do with a Van Dijk? Could we do with a Salah? Could we do with Bernard, Bernardo Silva? Could we do with, you know, Diaz? At the if you were to pick a team out of Chelsea, Liverpool and Man City, how many Chelsea players would be in that team? You've half put me on the spot here, Steve. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me go, let me go through the squad now. You've well, half, well, you half put me on the spot. Right through <laughs> the goal, the goalkeepers, all three goalkeepers. Our goalkeepers third, because they're two mm. great goalkeepers, right? Right, we go to fullbacks, and you've got a real choice. You got you you got Robinson. You've got Chilwell and you've got, who's the left back at Man City? Who's playing really well at the moment. God, his name escapes me. But you've got, honestly, you've got unbelievable players that are playing. And us Chelsea fans at the time expect us to, to win the league and, yeah, we're going to win the league. But when you look at it and you look in the real light of day, we're against two fantastic clubs. And Joe Cancelo was the left back for City yeah. yesterday. He's been playing brilliantly lately. And then you've got Laporte. Is there any centre back? I think probably Van Dijk and, 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 and Diaz. But Laporte would be a close third, wouldn't he? The way he's playing at the moment. And then you go to midfield and you look at, at midfield and you're thinking to yourself, well, how many, how many Chelsea players? would get into the midfield of it if you had to pick a team from those three teams. I think probably that's probably the, the place where we'd probably get more of our players in. 
And then you go up front and you've got Salah, you've got Marnie, you've got Foden, you've got all these players. And you think to yourself, well, Werner wouldn't get in, would he? Um, Lukaku at the moment, he wouldn't get in. Kante probably would as a holding if he was fit as a holding midfield player. But my well, God, I, I, I do I do partly see where you're coming from with it. Lukaku, I'm not going to re- sort of criticise too much because the guy no. has come back from from an injury, and before his injury, he was getting there. He was partly playing the same song as as the other players. It was just unfortunate with that injury. Yeah. But, he he was out for for quite a while, so he's he's easing his way back into it. I weren't expecting him to score a hat trick yesterday, but I was at least expecting something a little bit different to what he showed. But I I I understand why. I partly get where you're coming from, but this is also where I feel Chelsea need to be smart about it, and they need to look at what Liverpool and City are doing and why they're doing it, how they are doing it, because. Guardiola's had the time. Klopp's had the time. I think Tuchel... And Tuchel has shown because he's beaten both Liverpool and City. Yeah. Tuchel can do it and he's got the ability to because that's why we won the Champions League, for goodness sake. So I just think that we need to give the guy a little bit of time. I am not for one second suggesting that Tuchel's job is on the line here. Absolutely not. not, uh, I'm not somebody... That does that. But I think Chelsea need to be smart in their approach. And people that say, oh, Chelsea need to sign this player in January. Chelsea need to sign this player, this player, this player. We've got a squad good enough to be competitive. We're, we've, we're showing that. Have we got a squad good enough to win the league? No. In my opinion, no. That's 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 my honest opinion. I don't think we've got a squad good enough to win the league. But... Being competitive, absolutely we have. But against West Ham, I just felt that there's some players' performances that are starting to go a little bit on the stale side. And form-wise, and again, injuries, we are missing players. Chilwell, James has just come back from an injury. We, I thought we, I know, you're a fan of Christensen. I, I don't mind Christensen. I think there is a defender in there and he's improved since Tuchel's come over. I thought we missed Chalaba yesterday. Yeah, well, yeah, but, 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 you know, what I'm saying is, is both Pep Guardiola and Klopp have had time to ingrain their style of play on their club. Mm. They've had, both of them had about five, six years and they've, they've, they've taken the club to the next level. While winning trophies as well. We yeah. To put that what Ducal's yeah. got to do is to be given time to ingrain his philosophy and his things into Chelsea. And I think it was just beginning to happen and then we've had injuries. We've, we've been plagued by a few injuries that have upset the, the car a little bit. And as, and as, you know, affected our confidence and form. But what we've got to do, as I said to you, is, you know, I think when you become successful, whether you become, whether it's a supporter, player, you think you've got a divine right to win everything. And, oh, yeah, we win this. And, oh, yeah, we win that. And, yeah, we... But, you know, football's not like that. It's ruthless. 
it's ruthless. And I don't think our signings, if you look at Vernon, you look at Zelic. I like Havertz. You know my thing about Havertz. I think yes, there's a real no, player Havertz, aware, yeah. real player in there somewhere and that will be found. And He's a very young man. But when you look at have our signings made an impact, a real impact on our club? Has Zelic made a real impact? Has Werner made an impact? Zelic, absolutely not. No. Has, has Havertz scored the winning goal in the Champions League final? You know, he made a bit, but has he done it week in, week out for us? But it does take, you know, it, it, it's a thing that we've, we never allow a manager time to create a dynasty. Because you just said something that was really funny. You said if we lost our last next six games, well, if we did that, would our manager still have a job? No, he'd be sacked. Yeah. yeah. And that's, the, you know, that's the difference between Liverpool and Man City and Chelsea. They believe in their manager. They give them carte blanche to do what they want, sign the players they want to create something special. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to just sit and let someone we trust create a proper football team and a proper philosophy for our club. Just a couple of bits before we do move on. January's coming up. Looking at the squad that we have, and there's going to be a lot of rumours, there's going to be a lot of nonsense rumours about certain players being linked with clubs and whatnot. Looking around Europe, whether it's someone like a Bayern or a Barca or someone like a West Ham, and I'm looking at Declan Rice, for example, would you sign anybody in January or would you keep with that squad? I think what I'd do is I'd, I'd, I'd sign someone that was going to make an, a, an impact in terms of, you know, we had that from Lukaku for the first four or five games, he made a real impact. I don't think our midfield is right. I don't think we create enough. I, I think we should create more. You know, I keep saying it when I watched the Man City game yesterday, what they create and the way they play, they, they create, so, you know, Everyone says, oh, we should have hammered Man United. Man United. But how many clear-cut chances through our beautiful football did we make against Manchester United? Not many. Not and many. that's saying. We haven't quite got... You know, if you watch... How many times did we come off the pitch like Man City yesterday? They've beaten Watford 3-1. And Pep said, we haven't been ruthless enough because we should have had six or seven. How many times do we come off a game and say, well, we should have beaten six or seven? Because we've created clear-cut chances that players have missed. And at the moment, that's the difference between us Liverpool, although they came close to, you know, to dropping a couple of points. You know, but to me, we're not quite there yet. And I think we're probably, if a manager's given time, probably another year away from creating something really special. Chelsea fans, we should get too greedy and expect. I think that's becomes a a problem in it within a club. Just want to briefly touch on the next couple of fixtures. Zenit on Wednesday, 
I would say I'm expecting a win, but after seeing what happened yesterday, I'm not too sure. But I think Tuchel will get the squad right. I think he'll get the first 11 right. He should. I say he should. But I believe that he's going to look at what happened on Wednesday. And then surely he's not an idiot. He will see the performances over the last week or so, the last 10 days, and he will see where perhaps the weaknesses are and I do believe in Tuchel. I can't believe I've said it buried in mind this time last year. I didn't want him in charge of Chelsea, but I believe in Tuchel. I think that he has got something about him that gives us a bit of an edge over certain clubs like Arsenal, like Man United. And we've got a squad, like I said, that's capable of bouncing back from a defeat against shit like West Ham. But after Zenit, We've got Leeds United at home, a game that I'll be going to. I'm a bit worried about that one now, after what happened after what happened the other day. Leeds are going to be at it. Their fans are probably going to be at it more than the players because we haven't played Leeds with a crowd for such a long time. So that'll be an interesting game. We've then got Everton at home. And at the moment, they're dropping like a pebble. Yeah. We've then got Wolves, which will be a tough one, on the 19th of December, a game that I'm hoping to go to. Brentford in the EFL Cup quarter-final. Yeah. A realistic trophy that I think we could win. But that's going to be a tough one because Brentford are hard to beat. Villa on Boxing Day. Well, our record at Villa Park is crap. Just look at the history. And then we finish Brighton at home on the 29th of December. And they've they're a bit like Marmite at the moment. They're picking up points here and there, but they're not. They, you know, they are going to be a scrappy team. So you look at them games along with who we've got in January. Hey, Tuchel's got to get this squad going because those are going to be hard games, Steve. Isn't it amazing when you lose uh, things don't go right for about four games, and you're looking through that fixture list. And if I was looking through that fixture list before four games, I'd look at that, and there's nothing there that fear, that I fear. But because we've had the results we've had, mm. all of a sudden those fixtures have become a little bit more, a little bit difficult. You know, well, put... Brighton four games ago, they haven't won a game in ten, but they've drawn eight. And I'd be looking at that and saying, "Oh God, you know, we can beat those." Everton. Now's the time you want to play Everton. Yeah. So we're saying, "Oh, Everton, that, you know, they could." Do. You know, we've just got to get take every game as it comes and go out and win the bloody game. Uh, football, <laughs> you know, my Pinchaletto, God rest his soul, used to say to us that football is a simple game complicated by idiots. Uh, and all we've got to do is get back to the basics. We've got some lovely footballers. Let's go out there. Let's get together as a club. Let's not... When things go wrong, there's no worse when you're in a little run like this where it's a little bit iffy. You know, you lose a goal and the crowd start going against you and everyone, you know, we had, we've had a lot of good times. Let's, in the bad times, pull each other through. And it's important that Chelsea fans don't, don't expect too much. Don't expect too much. One final thing on this, because I think we've sort of gone through the weeds on this quite a bit. We've had a decent results in 
certain matches. Tottenham away, Arsenal away, Liverpool away, considering what happened with Rhys James getting sent off. The Norwich at home, complete battering. Juventus at home, complete battering. So it's not like we're chugging along, expecting or waiting something to happen. We're making things happen. We've just had a little blip. But good sides have blips. It depends on how you react to it. You've seen it, Steve. You've been part of sides that have had little blips, but they've come back straight and have won the next game and have gone on a bit of a nice run. And, you know, you don't think about that result three weeks ago because you've been on that good result. You've been on that good run and you've been able to bounce back. And I think Tuchel can do that. Want to talk about the Zenith, St. Petersburg game. Steve, part of the Blue Day podcast score predictor league, which just uh, on the record, John Dempsey still winning, but only by three points. But it is tight between second to fifth. What's your prediction for the game on Wednesday night? Well, I think Chelsea will win. I think Chelsea will win. I think they win uh, oh, one nil. But it's not about it's not about it's winning. It's just winning again. That's what they got to do. They've got to win, and uh, that's that's not going to be an easy game. That's not going to be an easy game at all. You know, you play out there. It's a long trip. Um, it's going to be bloody cold out there. The boys are going to, have, <laughs> you know, use their fur line jock straps. But but what it's going to be tough. But I, I I expect Chelsea to win. Interesting. Well, what we're going to touch on now, we're going to briefly talk about um, Chelsea Leeds, but not the actual game itself coming up next week. But we're going to talk about sort of our memories of Chelsea versus Leeds. And Steve, I wanted you to start us off with you know from your playing days against Leeds United, and also as a supporter, what the game Chelsea versus Leeds means to you because to some fans of a certain age, that's the biggest rivalry over someone like Chelsea Arsenal or Chelsea Man United. Chelsea Leeds is one of our biggest games. Last maybe 15 years hasn't certainly been that. Maybe 20 years it hasn't been that. But last season it was great to play Leeds again in, in the top flight, albeit no fans. But now starting next week, that's going to be quite a big sort of game to see the atmosphere between Chelsea and Leeds. Because again, to some fans, they've been looking forward to this game for such a long time. To others, they just see it as, oh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's only Leeds United. But Steve, for someone who's been there and done it and has got the T-shirt hanging up in his bedroom, what's your memories of sort of how well, Chelsea and Leeds... Well, I think the rivalry and also how yeah. it's been sort of over the last. This rivalry stems back to the 1970 FA Cup final, um, and it's well mentioned over the years that it was the dirtiest ever football match to take place. And rumor has it the referees looked at the game, and by today's law only three players would have been left on that pitch. <laughs> it was, for people who haven't seen it, it's well worth going onto YouTube. Just type in the dirtiest game ever and you will see Chelsea versus Leeds. And there are tackles there that Bruce Lee would have been proud of. <laughs> um, and to be fair, in the first game, they totally outplayed us and we ended up drawing 2-2. 
Um, and we went up to Old Trafford and, and we beat them 2-1. And um, it was it was fantastic for Chelsea. But the, 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 the hatred has, has stayed. And there is, when you play at Ellen Road in a Chelsea shirt, my God, it is hostile. And you've got to be big, brave and strong and just deal with it because you are spat at, sworn at, everything you can imagine happens to you up there. You know, I don't think there was a clean piece of glass on our coach when we arrived. The windscreen wipe was going, and it was a sunny day. You know, where the, it, it's a very hostile environment when you play up at Leeds. We're a little bit more sophisticated down here, so we don't give them that much of a bad time. But <laughs> my God, it is, it is. And when they had the likes of Joe Jordan and Alan Clark and, and um, Gordon McQueen, that, you know, they all loved an elbow. Um, it was quite a hard physical game as well. But it was it was funny because Jack Charlton came onto a TV show before the FA Cup final. And he had a he said, Look, I'm looking forward to the final because he pulled out a black book. And he said, There's a couple of Chelsea players, they're in this book, and I'm gonna sort them out of the weekend. <laughs> and that that's that's how you, you they were in those days. And I'll never forget my one of my favourite players ever, Ian Hutchinson, mm. absolutely cleared Norman Hunter out in extra time. And he bent over him and you could see what he, and I asked him, and he said, you're all mouth to Norman Hunter. And he had his socks rolled down, which was the bravest thing you could do in that, that day. But Hutch absolutely... Oh, he was he was so brave that day. He was he he put himself about against two of the hardest. Jack and Norman, who I got to know quite well, were two of the hardest centre backs. But Hutch was just he put his body at risk that day, and it was it. And I'll tell you who played uh, in the replay. Um, not only in the replay, in the final as well, and the uh, the replay. Peter Benetti was unbelievable in that in those games. He was, and he went. It was sad because he went to the World Cup in 1970. He didn't play for three months, and the first game he played after the Cup final was the quarter final of the World Cup. Um, and we all know what happened then. And in a way, it, it didn't stain his career because what he achieved was absolutely unbelievable. It was sad that someone so fantastic have had an experience like that because he was the best goalkeeper in the league that year and it was sad for him again I, I was raised with Chelsea at the time where it wasn't Leeds being the biggest rival it was you know teams like Arsenal Tottenham and even Manchester United but hearing stories from yourself and even ex-players especially those that were in the 1970 Cup final. I mean, John Dempsey, we had on the show earlier this year, Steve, and he was telling us some fantastic stories of the rivalry, not between the players, because the players mostly knew each other and they mostly got on, but it was mostly because as soon as they stepped onto that pitch, they knew that they were in for a battle, trying to sort of keep their legs intact, basically, as well. And it was just, you know... People like Ron Harris has sort of spoken to me about it as well. You know, we're talking about Billy Bremner and, like you say, you know, people like Gordon McQueen and players like that. 
but obviously nowadays it's, it's it is a little bit different. I'd say probably now in this day and age, the rivalry from Chelsea Leeds is partly swayed to become like Chelsea Tottenham. People might disagree with that, but I'd sort of look at it from how the hatred is there between the supporters rather than the actual players itself. But I remember one game in particular against Leeds and it doesn't sort of make sort of a, a massive deal, but it was in two, between 2003, 2004 when Roman first came in and we were playing Leeds at Ellen Road and Leeds were at the, at the time struggling. They were in the bottom three and they had to find, they were financially broke. They were just completely kaput when it came to finances. And we got a draw that day because Leeds scored first and we were struggling to score. We had chances to at least win the game, but we didn't. And then we came away with a 1-1 draw. And I remember sort of after the fact, Leeds United fans were saying that that was our cup final. We don't care if we go down because we've, we've stopped Chelsea from winning. We've stopped the mega rich Chelsea from winning. And then that was the last time we played them until last season. And again, seemed a bit different because there was no fans in attendance. So it was just a game behind closed doors. So those games weren't going to be as memorable. But even when we battered Leeds in the League Cup, back in, I believe it was 2012, 2013, we beat them in the League Cup. So I'm looking forward to next Saturday. I'm partly going to be nervous watching it. But I'm expecting a good game and I'm expecting tackles to fly in. I'm not expecting you know leg breakers or red cards or anything to that note. But I think the atmosphere is going to make the game special next week. And I'm, I'm, it's going to be nice listening to your stories, Steve, and players that played in the 1970 Cup final of how a Chelsea versus Leeds game was like and what it meant to them. Well, it was it was uh, it was because Leeds at that time were the best team in the in the country. That's right, yeah. You know that they were the they won the league. They were they were going for the double, I think, in the nineteen seventy uh, cup final. I think. Well, they made uh, the last four of the European Cup as well, didn't they? Uh, and they got, a few they years got, up before that. It was really from a, a, an English sort of fan's perspective in in watching them in Europe. They got they got held up by a couple of bad goalkeeping mistakes that, that cost them dear. Um, you know, I think Gary Sprague made a real boob in the game against Celtic, which would have put them through. And I think that, um, you know, they played the most magnificent football leagues. But the other thing that they were very, very good at was they used to intimidate teams physically. So not only could they play, they were the most beautiful. There's a famous... Uh, um, Sure, again on YouTube, the, the, I think it's the most ever passes uh, that led to a goal. And it was when Leeds played Southampton. And they were unbelievable. It, it was something like 40-something like passes or something. Um, and they were a very skillful team, but they had a bit of everything. They, they were very, very talented, but also very, very physical when they needed to be. But when I played, the biggest game that, that I played for Chelsea was against Tottenham. That was the game, the number one game that you played in. It was definitely Tottenham when I played. It, it moved on from there. Mm. But any um, Chelsea fan that wants to look to be entertained and, and have a little laugh at themselves, watch 
the dirty it's called the dirtiest ever football match and it's Chelsea Leeds and you I remember a tackle with Eddie McCready where he jumped up and kicked the ball off someone's head. He's like Bruce Lee. He was like it was incredible. Uh, and nowadays he got he'd have got three months in prison. Hmm. You know, and uh, and the big thing there of course was uh, Eddie Gray played really brilliantly at Wembley and caused havoc. Um, and the tactical change from Dave was to play Ron Harris at right back and move David into centre back. Uh, and Ron, you know, put his stamp on that. Uh, and stamp literally, on he he, he yeah. put his stamps on it. Literally, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And of course, he ended up scoring the winner. So yes, well. As you say, the FA Cup final of 1970, it is one that people still talk about to this day. We've talked about it on the podcast at length with the players that were there front and centre. And we've talked about it with supporters that were there as well. I urge people to watch that final. You can buy the DVD. I think, believe it's it's still on sale on Amazon. You can... They they used to sell it at Chelsea's mega store. I don't think they do that anymore. But you can you can buy it on DVD or try and watch it on YouTube. It is it it is a game to really watch and enjoy and admire what football used to be like all them years ago. But don't don't watch it before the watershed or with children. <laughs> Put the women and children to bed is basically yeah. the uh, is, is basically it. The one thing before we finish and. I'd like to sort of mention it as well. Actually, there's two things. Two things we're going to uh, mention. One is in regards to uh, the Blue Day podcast in 2022. Now, me and Steve have discussed it at length last week. And we're going to have a little bit of a surprise for individuals, for our listeners next year. Our first show back in 2022, we're going to have um, something that we haven't done before. But we're going to hopefully do it justice. We're going to talk about a certain individual. We're going to look back on his time at Chelsea and look back throughout his entire footballing career. We're not going to say who it is until New Year's Day. We're going to make it as a sort of a, as a surprise. But we discussed it last week, Steve. And again, we're not going to sort of talk about who, who it is yet. But you brought it up and I thought it was a, a fantastic idea to do. And it's something that I believe we should do for players that perhaps you played with and certain individuals that you played under as well. And it's something that I think that I know based on the feedback that we get from the listeners that they like hearing stories from ex-Chelsea players, especially those that, in regards to the individuals we're talking about, they want to hear about those stories. So just a little sort of bit of dipping the toe in the water a little bit we're not going to tell you who it is but it's going to come out the first week in January we're going to record it around about sort of New Year's Day around about that time but we're going to talk about this individual and I, Steve I'm excited for it it's going to be something I'm probably going to have a whole book of things that well, I, would, I want to discuss with you about that this inserted certain individual so it, it's, it's going to be a very Interesting episode. Might even be emotional when we're talking about certain stories about the man himself, but it's going to be a good way to kick off 2022 for the Blue Day podcast. Yeah, it's great, Keith. People who enjoy it. Hmm. 
And it's a tribute. It's a tribute. It's all a tribute to them. Yes. And we're hopefully going to kick off with this individual in January, and we're going to talk about other individuals sort of later on down the season or down the year as well. But one thing I do want to talk about, and it's something that happened quite recently while you're listening to this, a huge congratulations to the Chelsea FC women's team on winning the Women's FA Cup by beating Arsenal 3-0. Happened at Wembley over the weekend. Fantastic to see them lift the spirits of certain Chelsea supporters who are probably still sore after the defeat against West Ham. But the women's team has has done themselves proud. And Emma Hayes, who I believe is a fantastic coach and also a, a brilliant speaker of football. You, know, you only have to hear what she had to say at the Euros, in my opinion. I thought she was one of the best pundits that was around on that tournament. But yes, it, it's fantastic to see women's football get that sort of spotlight on them. And yeah, we, we haven't sort of spoke about them enough on this show, which is probably something that we might need to maybe do in the future, but I feel it's best to sort of end it on a high note this episode, Steve. You know, we talked about the doom and gloom of the results and performances, but let's end it on a high. At least the club, that the the entire football club, is still being successful on and off the pitch. And just want to sort of, again, congratulate the women's side on another FA Cup win. And this time against Arsenal. Who were favourites? Yes. Yeah, brilliant. The girls did well and they played very well and thoroughly deserved it. And now, let's hope they go and win the league as well. And that's a good starting point for them. Yes, absolutely. And again, for those perhaps a little bit undecided about going to a women's game, don't just see it as women's football. See it as Chelsea football. You know, See it as whereby you're going to watch Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, it might not be the men's team, it's the women's team, but my goodness... They can certainly show certain players on how to defend, on on how to score goals. Just look at the, uh, just look at one of the goals in the FA Cup final to see that. That was a, a, a delightful finish. But just want to sort of finish it on that note. But also, we want to talk about certain things that are happening between now and the end of the year because as 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 the weeks have gone by and Christmas is coming up, twenty twenty one is nearly over. But the podcast is going to be busy between now and the end of the year. We've got two interviews coming up at the end of December for for you to enjoy over the Christmas period. We've just recently uploaded the Biani Goldbeck interview, the former Danish international who was at Chelsea for a couple of years. That interview was out on Sunday. Please give a, a listen to that. It is a, f- a very fascinating interview how he joined Chelsea, bearing in mind he was part of the deal that allowed Brian Loudrup to leave Chelsea, that he was only there for a few weeks, and his departure as well. Very fascinating interview. I do urge Chelsea fans to listen to that. But we've also got a couple of ex-players that will, that will be on the show at the end of the month for their player interviews. And we've got one during the Christmas period, which I think a lot of you will enjoy as well. So that's coming up on the Blue Day podcast. If you haven't heard... And Steve, believe it or not, people actually listen to this show. They haven't heard any of the interviews yet, which is quite a surprise. Listen to the interviews. We had one with Steve Wicks. We've had one with Pat Nevin. We've had one recently with Joe McLaughlin. We've had Gavin Peacock, Kevin Hitchcock. 
Alan Mays. We've had people like John Dempsey, which was a fantastic interview. Alan Hudson, Sean Wright Phillips. We've had quite a few players within the last year or so. Kevin Wilson as well. Clive Wilson. Clive Wilson as well. Players like that. Mark Nichols, Paul Hughes as well. Yeah, just if you haven't got much on, you're at work, you're on the treadmill in the gym, listen to these interviews because they are fascinating. Every single one of them has got a unique story. So I urge everyone to listen to them. So if you want to catch up with us on Instagram, find us on Instagram at the Blue Day Podcast. Find us on Facebook at the facebook.com slash the Blue Day Podcast. We may have a couple of things in regards to maybe a couple of Christmas raffles potentially coming up. I need to sort that out as well during the week. But keep listening to us, ladies and gentlemen. Your your feedback and your your support is much appreciated. But we're going to sign off. He has been Steve Wicks. I have been Keith Lawrence. Keep the blue flag flying high. Stay safe and carefree. Podcast Network.